to make it 3 nothing. Rapino from the spot. No! Megan Rapino puts the U.S. up by three. Cruise control for the Americans. This round of 16 matchups will drill down on what some of the more interesting showdowns will be come next February across our region. And speaking of next year, we're almost 12 months to the day away from the World Cup Finals in Qatar. We're going to be live from the capital of Doha. Football America starts now. I'm last because I drink an espresso, so everyone knows what that means. <laughs> Football! America's underway here on ESPN Plus alongside my good friend, Hercules Gomez. I'm Sebastian Salazar. Herc, how are you doing on this lovely Thursday evening? I had a few espressos myself. So you know oh, what that means, you? I'm ready to go. Oh, you are ready to go, and you're not going to be late. You were here uh, right on time. Look, lots to get to in this show. We got big news out of MLS, a, a blockbuster trade, Hercules Gomez. Some are calling it. We got some big goals out of the Copa del Rey involving players from our CONCACAF region. Uh, and as you just heard there, Jose del Valle, our good friend from ESPN Deportes, is in Qatar ahead of next year's World Cup. We're going to talk to him as well, and of course, the big news here on Football Americas that we're very, very excited about is that we are going to be announcing a couple big awards for U.S. soccer. Why don't we get to the first of those big awards? It is U.S. Soccer's 2021 Young Female Player of the Year Award as presented by Chipotle there, Herka. Here are the nominees. Now, just to, to clear things up, to be eligible, you had to be 23 and under and have played in either a senior national team game in 2021 or have played in the CONCACAF U20 championship back in 2020. So you see the pro names, Emily Fox, Katarina Macario, Trinity Rodman, a couple from the college game as well, Jalen Howell and Mia Fischel. All right, Herc, you ready? You got that drum roll over there in Los Angeles? Let's Your go. 2021 U.S. Soccer Young Female Player of the Year award winner is Trinity Rodman. You heard it here first on Football Americas, and anybody who has watched this show cannot, Herc, be surprised by this news. No, not at all, especially if you've seen her play just once. The flash of brilliance, this is not a flash in the pan. This is not just speed. This is not just goal-scoring ability. It's the way she sets other people up. It's the way she uses her movement. It's the instincts in or around that final third make her way, way more mature than those 19 years that she's carrying. What a player, Trinity Rodman, 19 years old and wins the Young Female Player of the Year Award. Your NWSL Rookie of the Year as well. She had six goals and six assists for the Washington Spirit, where, of course, as you saw there, she was also able to lift an NWSL title. And speaking of goals, now hasn't done it for the senior national team yet, but if you go back to that 2020 Under-20 CONCACAF Championship, yeah, she dropped the cool nine goals in that. So, so Trinity Rodman proving that she can do it uh, at the youth international level for the United States as well. And we're super excited to have her join us here on Football Americas, the 19-year-old who is U.S. Soccer's Young Female Player of the Year. Trinity, uh, what are you feeling in this moment? What does this award mean to you? 
Oh my gosh, this award means the world to me. I'm so grateful and blessed that I even had the opportunity to play as much as I did this season, never mind achieve almost every goal that I set for myself this year. Um, I don't know. It's crazy to see the amount of the people that I looked up to who have won this award and to be categorized with them now is insane. And I'm just so grateful. Trinity, congratulations, first off. This is your first year as a professional athlete. What was that year like? What was that transition like for you? Um, I definitely have to say it was hard in the beginning. Um, it was definitely a wake-up call. I didn't know what to expect, obviously. But, um, yeah, I had a rough start just with confidence and stuff. And I think being around the senior players, being around people who've had so much international professional experience, I, I learned so much. And honestly, the ride, it was amazing. And I improved every single game, which was, like, my favorite part of it all. Trinity, let's talk about this season because there were moments where it felt like something almost out of a, a Hollywood script for the Washington Spirit. You guys were, you know, were one of five teams that saw, saw your coach dismissed amid allegations of abuse. You also had a dispute between your owners. You go into the playoffs, at least in the semifinals, as a pretty serious underdog. Like, how did you guys overcome all that to win the NWSL title? I think the biggest thing was us getting closer off the fields and using soccer as our outlet from all the drama behind the scenes because no player should have to deal with it, never mind people that are new in the league like that. I never expected any of this to happen, but um, I think the relationships we built and how close we got off the field made it easier for us to be there for each other on the field. And I think we just wanted it so bad because we're kind of like a family and we're sisters now. So I think... Um, I don't know. It was definitely hard, but everybody was there for each other every step of the way, and I think it was pretty obvious seeing how well our team improved throughout the whole season and then getting the championship. Trinity, let's talk about the senior national team. It's pretty difficult not to talk about it with your progression. We're coming up on a World Cup year. I mean, how much of a priority is that to you? How close do you think you are to breaking to that, through to that level? Um, hopefully soon. Um, that's also obviously my biggest goal is to just get one camp in, make a roster for, like, anything. I mean, just to be in with those players would be crazy insane to me. Um, yeah, obviously, my biggest goal is to make the roster for a World Cup, but we don't know what the future will hold. I'm just um, kind of getting myself prepared, um, making sure I stay fit through offseason and hopefully get an invite soon. Trinity, what, what do you think is your best position? Because, you know, you have so much speed. I, I could see coaches being tempted to put you out wide, but... Uh, you know, there's so many other parts of your game. You're so good in front of goal. You can create for others. Uh, I can see you as a center forward, just like a pure nine as well. Do, do you have a preference in terms of where you play on the field? Um, I, it's weird because I prefer to play wide, but I find myself getting all the goals when I'm making my run central. So I don't know. It's weird. Um, I think I like playing wide because I have more space to kind of, um, determine what I want to do and obviously having pace having more space is nice and being able to go one-on-one -on -one with a defender is nice for me but I don't know I would play both so if they put me anywhere I'd, I'd be ready okay Trinity let's uh, let's go over some of your your top moments here from 2021 we've been digging in the video vault and we want to show people why it is that your U.S. soccer's young female player of the year so let's go back to, to the very beginnings of this season, right? Your first moments as a professional. This is the NWSL Challenge Cup, and I believe this is your this is your debut professional goal. Walk us through it. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So 
I didn't even know if I was going to get in this game. I mean, that game, I didn't know how much I was going to play in the season. So, like, I was grateful to even get on the field. And I don't know, I was just so amped to even be in the game. So I was just kind of running all over the place. And I got, I think, maybe one touch before that. I just, like, made a simple pass just to get the nerves out and, like, to get my touch. And then, I don't know, we had never broke the line in the game until I got in there and we had eye contact. She played up all over and I knew I had to have like the most perfect touch because that was my opportunity. And I don't know, it was crazy. It didn't even feel real when it happened. Oh, here's another one we have. We have another play for you. This actually made our top 10 NWSL Football America's uh, goals of the season. Uh, it's not just the goals, it's the assists. It's your relentless work weight. I, I Listen, I watched your father play basketball in the 90s. I've seen that work rate. A lot of people have compared you to that work rate. Tell us uh, where you get that from. Um, I mean, yeah, I watch my dad's game and I see so many similarities, just the intensity and how we never give up and how we put our body on the line. And I get it from my mom as well. I mean, her relentlessness and her mentality is so strong. And I don't know, I think um, mentality is like, one of the biggest things in sports i think allowing yourself to give it your all in every game and not give up and just want to win i think if it's not there mentally you're not going to be able to execute so i don't know i think it's the mental side that helps me a lot trinity i'm sure that you won't remember this but i think it was maybe like five or six days after the nwsl draft you were 18 at the time youngest player ever drafted in league history um, and we did an interview for ESPN on the digital side. And we actually we talked about, yeah, and, and I, I remember you, you were still like, even in the moving process, I think, still packing up your boxes yeah. um, and stuff. And one of the things that stood out to me from that interview is, is you talked about kind of creating your own legacy as, as a professional athlete and, and your goals to do that kind of independent of what your father had done. Here in year one, you are the NWSL Rookie of the Year. You're having all this success. You've won this award. Do you feel like you've accomplished that? Yeah, <laughs> it's just crazy how much has happened. Like, it's it still doesn't even feel real to me. Um, yeah, obviously, in the beginning, I had no idea what awards I was going to win, what goals I was going to set for myself, what goals I was going to achieve. But, yeah, definitely my mindset was kind of creating my own path, being so young, being Dennis Rodman's daughter, playing soccer, not basketball. I think there was so many factors that I wanted to make my own and show younger players that I could do it and also myself. Um, but yeah, I don't know. This year is crazy and, um, I couldn't be more thankful for what I achieved. There she is. Trinity Rodman, U.S. Soccer's Young Female Player of the Year, an award presented by Chipotle. Trinity, thank you so much for the time here on Football Americas. Again, from all of us, congratulations. We cannot wait to see what you're going to do in the year 2022. Thank you so much. There she is, Trinity Rodman of U.S. Soccer and the Washington Spirit. Congratulations, U.S. Soccer's Young Female Player of the Year. Uh, one of the other nominees for that award, her, Katarina Macario. Here she is, scoring a goal for Lyon in the Champions League. I'm keeping it going. That's the work right there. Stayed with it. It looks easy. It's not. Stays with the play. People can say it's fortunate, but she created that herself. Macario scoring here against BK Hacken, Perk of Sweden. Uh, Leon winning comfortably, and they end up first in their group.
which was the goal for Lyon all along in the Champions League. In case you missed it, cool story here, Nike assigned their first name, image, and likeness, the famous NIL deal, with a college athlete. And Herc, how about this? It's a soccer player, UCLA's Raylan Turner. Uh, very neat for the sophomore forward. It's very cool for Raylan Turner. Look, it's not a football player, it's not a basketball player, it's not a male, it's a female soccer player. It's mm -hmm. a player where in turn part of these proceeds or part of this contract will go back to her community. Uh, her Latin American community. It's a very cool thing to see from Nike. Very cool thing to see from Raylan Turner to accept this. She's African American, Mexican American. She's the Pac-12 Freshman of the Year for the Bruins. Had a great season and uh, as you mentioned as part of that sponsorship her Turner and Nike are going to work together to encourage young players uh, to be active in Los Angeles. Excited for that. All right, dripping or tripping, Herc? Sticking with women's soccer in the NWSL. San Diego Wave Football Club has revealed their new team crest and colors. They did so on Wednesday, Herc. Is it dripping or is it tripping? That is straight fire. That is dripping. I love the color schemes to begin with. Anytime you get those uh, fluorescent colors going on right there, it, it's it's a win for me. But it embraces what San Diego is. I mean, you think of San Diego, you think of the surf, you think of the ocean, you think of the beach life. I love everything about it, and I tell you what, I'm an Angel City fan, mm -hmm. but this little San Diego Wave Angel City thing going on, I think it's here to stay. I love it. I love the colors. I love the jersey options from the colors. I'm seeing like a third kit, Herc, that starts with kind of the blue of the water. You get that sunset somewhere around, you know, like where the shorts become the shirt and a pink top. Um, it might be a mess for television cameras, but I think it could be something that uh, sells out in stores Absolutely. very, very quickly. I love it. I love it. Also, very like polar opposite of Angel City FC, who's supposedly going to be their, their rival, right? Yep. Uh, so I, I like it a lot there. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, the 2022 CONCACAF Champions League draw is out, Herc. We've got the uh, round of 16 set up like this. The first legs for this will get going in mid-February. Now we got just the one Liga Mekis versus MLS matchup, Herc. That's Montreal against Santos. That one will grab some headlines. Any other round of 16 matchup that you think could grab headlines or maybe be tricky for one of the favorites? Yeah, I'll talk about uh, Santos versus Montreal in a second, but Pumas versus Saprissa, you got to go back to a final 17 years ago where Hernan Medford Saprissa beat Hugo Sanchez Pumas in the final, a 3-2 aggregate game. So maybe a little revenge factor for this Pumas crowd going forward. Montreal Santos, one of the most epic games in CCL history. Montreal, when they were of the USL, played the first leg in front of 50,000 fans in Montreal. 2-0 win on their part. Go back to the old Estadio Corona, the old TSM. An epic, epic comeback. I mean, at one point, they were up 3-1 to one with two aggregate, or two away goals, I should say, uh, in their favor, uh, only to lose this 5-2, 5-4 on aggregate to Santos Laguna, one of the most epic games that Santos Laguna fans still talk about today. And the Meet again. That was 2011, by the way. I'm surprised you think Pumas is going to struggle with Saprissa. Pumas, who dominated Club America in Liguilla, and, and 
and maybe and maybe should have beaten Atlas too. Can I tell you one one matchup that I'm particularly interested in? Though I don't think I would label it as tricky, right? Uh, Cruz Azul against Hamilton Forge FC of the Canadian Premier League. Now, Cruz Azul, I think, is going to roll. But I'm very interested, Herc, to see what the Canadian Premier League brings to CONCACAF Champions League. This, this uh, Hamilton Forge is effectively, they've been the class of the league so far. So let's see what the gap is between Canadian Premier League Listen, and Liga MX. I'm very, always, very interested. In CONCACAF's history with this CONCACAF Champions League, there's always a team that surprises you. The old Puerto Rico Islanders. Those mm. Montreal teams. There's always that type of team that can make it tricky. And usually it's at the expense of a big team like Cruz Azul. It happens. It wouldn't surprise me. And going back to Pumas, Pumas, did you not see them in regular season play? They had to go on a ridiculous run at the end just to make repechaca, just to be one of the 12 teams invited mm -hmm. into the dance. Is this regular season? Or is this two legs like the Ligia where they made it all You're the right. way to the This semis. is worse. Mm -hmm. This is worse. One bad home game, because we know what is like. You know what it's like playing in San Jose. You know what that feels like. You know what the Purple Monster is like. So if you know what Costa Rica is like, if you know what Saprisa is like and how strong they are at home, you know one bad game at home in Estadio uh, Olimpico at Seoul could uh, mean this tournament's over for Pumas. All right, Herc, before we get back to uh, handing out awards, let's remind people what is on ESPN Plus this weekend. Of course, ESPN Plus is your home exclusively in the United States for La Liga in English and in Espanol. On Saturday, 12.30 p.m., you got Barcelona against Elche, and then later Saturday afternoon, ooh, this should be a, a very good one, Sevilla against Atletico Madrid. Second big honor of the night here on Football Americas. It is U.S. Soccer's Female Player of the Year Award. Here's a look at your five nominees. Lindsey Horan, Rose Lavelle, Carly Lloyd, Goalie Alissonaire, and, of course, Megan Rapino. This for accomplishments across both club and country. Herc, and the winner is for U.S. Soccer's 2021 Female Player of the Year Honor, presented by BioSteel, Lindsey Horan. The 27-year-old Herc with six goals and five assists for the national team in 2021. She was also a NWSL Best 11 second team pick for the Portland Thorns. Awfully hard to argue this selection, Herc. It's awfully hard, especially when you look at the CV. I mean, over 100 caps for her national team, NWSL MVP, NWSL Cup MVP. Anything you could think of, she's won World Cups. Olympic triumph, and now this, uh, quite an accomplishment, and it's still going, 27 years old. Yep, great uh, season for the national team, great season at club level 
as well. How about this, Herc? She actually led the U.S. women's national team in all of 2021 in minutes played, doing so from a variety of positions in midfield. And exciting for us, she joins us now here on Football Americas. Lindsay Horan of the U.S. women's national team and the Portland Thorns. Lindsay, congratulations. Welcome to the show. All that good stuff. I know it has been an incredibly long year. What does this award mean for you, not just at the end of 2021, but specifically at this juncture of your career? Man, um, yeah, when I got the call, um, it was a little surreal to me. I'm pretty sure I got pretty emotional with our, our media guy, but this this award means everything, especially when you look at the, the nominees um, across the board and especially Carly going out on, on her last year. Um, I'm so grateful. I feel so honored. Um, and yeah, this this is very, very meaningful for me. Lindsay, first off, congratulations. As Seb mentioned, you led the team in minutes played. You did it as an eight. You did it as a ten. You even played a new position as a six. That is insane to me, somebody who's played multiple positions in the field, to think you can go as a forward, offensive-minded player, all of a sudden to be, I'm going to be a six now, and my job is going to be this. How big of a challenge was that for you? Um, yeah, it's it's always a little bit challenging, but I think uh, for myself, you know, I've always been a, a footballer and, and just – you know, trying to be as versatile as, as possible. You know, I was a nine uh, and kind of a seven eleven back in the day with PSG. So um, throwing me into the six, yeah, it's uh, a little bit more complicated because you kind of need to keep me home, and I don't like being uh, <laughs> put on a so leash a little bit. But <laughs> but I enjoyed it so. It's interesting you mentioned the time at PSG because I don't know if everybody knows Lindsay the story of your career. You essentially go high school to pros before that was something we were really seeing a lot of uh, in the women's game. I wonder how that time at PSG maybe impacted uh, your career and if you feel like you're a trendsetter in, in any way because you really were one of the first. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's a, a, a cool thing to kind of share with everyone and obviously people know my story, but I think it gave me a different kind of experience than most get in college. Um, it was kind of my route and I, you know, dedicate so much for uh, to my time there and, and what it prepared me for and especially prepared me for in the national team world. So, yeah, I'm very, very thankful that I made that decision. Lindsay, this was an Olympic year, kind of a strange year, even though you guys won the bronze at the Olympics. You guys only won two out of the six games. When you look back, what are the biggest takeaways of the summer for you? Oh, man, uh, the football world is changing. Uh, teams are getting better and better, and we need to continue to get better. I think, obviously, we all look back on our time in the Olympics and knew we could have done more, and our mentality wasn't quite there. And um, obviously, winning the bronze medal is is incredible, and nothing taken away from that. But, you know, we're the U.S. Women's National Team, and we always want more, and we want the gold. And now it's, you know, reflecting on that and what more can be done and, and what, what do we need to do to get back on that podium and, and have a gold medal. Lindsay, we see these images from the Olympics, and it's great, but you're wearing the number nine. We know now you, you're wearing a different number, okay? You, you got the number 10 now handed down from none other than Carly Lloyd. You know, you think about important positions in sports, like quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, point guard of the L.A. Lakers, the number 10 on the U.S. women's national team. I wonder um, what that number 10 signifies to you. Uh, you know, growing up, obviously, uh, I watched Messi my, my whole life. And that was the first player that I saw with the number 10 jersey. And I knew, you know, what that meant. And then obviously learning more and more about what that number means to certain teams and certain players. You know, every 
every player that I saw with that jersey, you know, was a role model, was an incredible player and, and meant so much to that team. And then you look at our national team and the players that have worn the number 10 and obviously Carly passing that down to me, it's it's a big uh, role to fill. But I think, you know, again, I'm so honored to be wearing that. And it's been a dream and a goal of mine for my whole career because it means a lot to me. So, yeah, I I wear it proudly and, and hopefully can um, can make Carly proud as well. Lindsay, let's look back at the NWSL season that was with the Portland Thorns. Let's start with the off-the-field stuff, you know. Um, the, the league was kind of going through, it almost felt like allegation after allegation for maybe a, a weeks on weeks during the summer. But what was it like being a professional player in that setting and still having to go to work while, while dealing and overcoming all that? Um, you know, it was a lot and it was different for every single player. Um, for someone like me, obviously there were so many emotions off the field and things that we were dealing with as a team and, and as an organization and, and as an NWSL as a whole. Um, my getaway is always football. Um, so being able to still train and be with my teammates and um, just enjoy and smile and do whatever we possibly can to, you know, take a breath and, and get away from that for a little bit. Um, that was my best way of handling it. But again, it it was a crazy year. And, and there's so much that we can say about it, but you know, we got to move forward and hope that the NWSL is, is learning and organizations are learning and, and we're growing and, and getting better and better and we can make this better decisions um, for the future. Let's talk about Portland, Portland 2021. I mean, you guys won the Shield. You guys won the Challenge Cup, the ICC tournament, massive crowds in Portland. Explain the success in Portland to me, please. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Um, I always say that it's one of the most difficult things um, to win the shield and and obviously win the shield in a world tournament year, an Olympic year. Um, you know, having so many players gone and, and still still being able to do that says a lot about our team and the depth in our team. And then, you know, we wanted the quadruple with the, the trophies, but we obviously fell a little bit short. Um, but I am so proud of this team. And again, you know, what we were talking about before, everything that you know, our team had went through and the NWSL had went through. It's it's amazing, you know, what we accomplished and, you know, having Angela Salem up for the MVP as well. She had an outstanding season and certain players that just showed up for us. All right, Lindsay, we've talked a lot about why you're a, a very good choice for U.S. Soccer's Female Player of the Year. But we'd be remiss if we didn't show people, because we have some video proof as to why Lindsay is a, is a great choice for this award. So we're going to run it back here, Lindsay, uh, and you can walk us through this. This is a goal against Mexico in the farewell game against the Olympics. <laughs> All right, when you catch a volley like that, what does it feel like? I've been working on volleys my whole life. Um, if you've never heard me say that, a volley, it's my favorite thing in the world. Um, so catching that, uh, that's a dream come true for me. Any coach will take that. So, um, yeah, it was amazing. Did you know it was a goal as soon as it came off your foot? Because that was so sweetly struck. Um, obviously, I wait till it hits the back of the net. But, <laughs> but the way that it felt coming off my foot, I was, I was so happy. Absolutely. And off the assist from none other than number 10 at that point, uh, Carly Lloyd. There she is, Lindsay Horan, U.S. Soccer's Female Player of the Year for 2021. Lindsay, again, congratulations and thanks so much for the time here on Football America. It's great to have you with us. Oh, thank you guys. I really appreciate it. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. 
How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. All right, Herc, some more hardware to hand out here, or at least acknowledge the uh, women's goal of the year comes from Kristen Press against Brazil back in February. Duh, one of many. Uh, it's hard to uh, understand why she wasn't, at least to me, why she wasn't part of the nominees. I don't think it would have mattered, uh, but what a golazo by Kristen Press here. The U.S. won that game 2-0 in the She Believes Cup. That's the fourth time the U.S. has won the She Believes Cup in the last six years. A press golazo, something we've come accustomed to at the She Believes Cup. How about your men's goal of the year? It comes from Serginho Dest against Costa Rica, but really against Keylor Navas. Yeah, Keylor Navas couldn't save that. You want to know why? Because it's why? Serginho Dest's fault. <laughs> see what I did there? I see what you've done. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. This uh, from a World Cup qualifier in Columbus back in mid-October. Uh, by the way, a, a great goal, but a huge goal too, Herc, for the U.S. They won the game 2-1, but remember, they're down 1-0 when he does this. It was coming up off the game, um, the defeat against Panama. So, a huge goal for the U.S. And there you are, looking live at Doha, Qatar. December 18th, 2022. That's the date set for next year's World Cup Final Tournament that will start on November 21st of 20. 22 and here to discuss what we will experience in 12 months time in Qatar none other than Jose del Valle you know him from ESPN Deportes now I want to tell a quick story about Jose because when Football America mm -hmm. started way back in the day before we were even uh, on ESPN <laughs> plus we were on YouTube and Jose del Valle was on our was on with us every single week and we have not invited him back since so all he had to do to get back on Football Americas was fly halfway around the world yes. and wake up at 5 a.m. <laughs> local time. Bienvenido, Jose. Great to have you with us. Sebastian, Hercules, what a pleasure. I'm so glad you set the record straight. I had to take a 14-hour flight. I had to come all the way to Doha. I had to cross the globe. I had to stay up until 5 a.m. Yeah, because I'm 11 hours ahead of you guys. But, hey... I'll take whatever I can get. What a pleasure, guys. All right, so uh, tell us what you're doing in Qatar, because we've seen some of our other colleagues in the American uh, press who have made their way over there. What's going on in Qatar? What's the experience been like for you so far? Well, the Arab Cup is taking place as we speak. It is the final official rehearsal before the World Cup starts. So it's been fun. It's been quite an experience. It's a different world. I mean, the way people dress. Um, you cannot buy alcohol in the restaurants, nor in the supermarkets. So it's quite different, but it's nice. You know, like here where I am right now, it's called West Bay. It's very similar to Brickell. So the mm. downtown is modern, vibrant. It's like a modern city. But once you go to the real Qatar, 
that's where you see like the cultural differences between Qatar and the U.S. Yeah, but already referencing Brickle, Miami. I see. All right, uh, let's get to the important stuff here, Jose. What's the <laughs> weather like? Because everybody's going to be, everybody's been saying it's going to be hot. It's going to be too hot to play football. Uh, what's the weather like? And will we be able to stay cool in those stadiums? Well, right now, as we speak, it's 72 degrees. Mm. Perfect weather. Uh, I remember when FIFA changed the dates. Uh, it will be the first time in history that the World Cup is going to be played in the winter. I remember there was a lot of controversy uh, and people were mad, people complained. And maybe rightfully so, but let me tell you, they made the right decision because this weather is perfect. I arrived here last uh, Tuesday and the hottest it's been since then, it's been like 78 degrees. So it's a pretty good weather. In the summer, however, locals were telling me that the temperatures can go up and like 130 degrees. Imagine that, Hercules Sebas. It would be impossible for players to perform at the highest level. But the biggest difference will be for the fans, for the people attending the World Cup, because like the players, they're going to play in these beautiful stadiums. All of them have air conditioning. I was able to visit like three of them. The technology is immense. It's amazing. This cooling system not only cools the air, but also purifies the air. So players are gonna be okay, but what about the fans, you know? Like a World Cup, it's more than 90 minutes on a pitch. People have to be in the fan zones. They have to transport themselves from, from one place to another. So being able to experience the World Cup in a good conditions is gonna be great for the fans. So at the end, they made the right decision. And Jose, all that transport, that's going to cost something, right? So, so now that you're there, that you get a sense of kind of what, what it costs to get in a, in a taxi or, or what it costs to go to the supermarket, is it as expensive right. as, as we might be assuming? When we talk about transportation, I was surprised because it's very cheap. I took an Uber from my hotel to one of the stadiums. I only paid $5. Mm. I thought it was very cheap. And when you take the metro... When you take the public transportation, it's even cheaper. Today, we went to the market, to the biggest market in Doha, and we took the metro. We only paid 50 cents of a dollar for a round-trip ticket. And the metro, it's brand new, basically. Modern, unique, it's well-designed, it's easy to navigate. Uh, it's been properly, uh, the signs have been properly placed, so you know exactly where to go. You don't get lost. And it's only 50 cents of a dollar. And mm. so that's, that's really good. And also, this is important for people attending the World Cup. If they have their fan ID, the public transportation is going to be free. Jose, I just want to backtrack a second. I'm asking for a friend, that friend being Sebastian Salazar. Can you clarify about the alcohol, about the drinking? Can you clarify <laughs> where you can get the alcohol? There will be no alcohol <laughs> sold in the stadiums. Is this correct? Or what, what, what will, will be allowed and what won't be? I'm an athlete, so. Well, as of right now, you can buy alcohol in the hotels. Like, for example, where I'm staying, Sebas is going to be okay because <laughs> they have a nice bar, uh, fully equipped. So you can get, you know, drinks. Although, let me tell you, it's expensive. One beer mm. costs $15. So, Hercules, for the RF Cup, I attended two games. No alcohol was uh, being sold whatsoever. But they told me for the World Cup, they might make an exception because, as you know, there is this beer company. It's an official sponsor for FIFA. Oh, they pay a lot of money. So, obviously, they want their products to be sold in the fan zone. 
they're going to be able to sell beer. It's going to cost $5 a beer in the fan zones and maybe in the stadiums too. So, you know, they're still talking about it, but, you know, when you have a company paying a hundred of millions of dollars, so maybe they're going to make an exception. I got you, Seb. I got you. So we all have uh, very serious questions about what we're going to do for our alcohol in Qatar. But I think more importantly, there are some very serious concerns, Jose, from the LGBTQ community over how they will be received uh, in Qatar. There were some comments from one of the members of the tournament's organizing committee talking about public displays of affection and that they would be frowned upon. We know male homosexuality is illegal in Qatar. Uh, how much of a talking point is it on the ground in Doha about how Qatar will receive the LGBTQ community of the world at the World Cup? Well, I asked the very same question, and they told me that the LGBTQ plus community will be welcome. Um, they will suffer no harm. However, what you just said, it's true. Uh, they emphasize that um, any uh, displays of public affection, it's against the law. It's prohibited. It's not allowed. And they ask people to be respectful of their culture and to be respectful of their uh, rule of law. So, you know, it will be something very interesting to see in the upcoming months. And FIFA also released a statement pretty much saying that the rainbow flags will be allowed in the stadiums because they want to keep promoting tolerance and inclusion. So that's a very hot topic. Love is love. Good. Uh, what about the travel, Jose? I remember traveling last World Cup in Russia with Seb, and it was a nightmare. It was a nightmare because <laughs> I had to be with Seb for long extended periods of time with this travel. I'm talking about one end of the country to another. You're almost in Asia at plane rides, long traffic, everything. Yes. What's it like? What will travel be like? Cause is Qatar big? Give us a, a little info there. Uh Hercules, don't lie to me. I know you fly business. I had to fly economy. So even even with Sevas right next to you, if you fly business, you'll have a pleasant flight. Um, the flight from Miami to Doha, it was 14 hours. It was long. It was non-stopping. And then because of the change time, like I left Miami at 8 p.m. And when I arrived here, it was like 7 p.m. So you just feel like an entire day just went by. So, you know, it's difficult to adapt, especially for the jet lag. And once you are in Qatar, uh, clearly they have done a pretty good job uh, in construction. Like the roads are brand new. It's easy to navigate the city. Although at some times uh, there is traffic, you know, because it's a small city. It's a small country. So people who are planning to attend the World Cup, my advice would be just take the metro. It will be cheap. And if not cheap, it will be inexpensive, only 50 cents of a dollar. Uh, a lot of things are under construction, Hercules, because the stadiums are built. The eight stadiums are ready to go. But, you know, they're, they're still building, like, bridges, roads, more hotels. So it's going to be, infrastructure-wise, it's going to be a great World Cup. Let me add to that, Jose. Those eight stadiums that are built, how far are they away from each other? Will I have to be traveling hours on end to get from one stadium to another? Yeah. Hercules, Sebas, this is going to be the coolest part of the next World Cup. For the first time in history, I think, people are going to be able to attend multiple games in one day. Imagine mm. for 2026, you are going to have the first game in Miami, the second game in LA, the <laughs> third game in Guadalajara. It's impossible to watch more than one match. Here in Qatar, the stadiums are practically right next to each other. Uh, two days ago, 
I attended the semifinals of the Arab Cup. So the first match was played in the stadium 974. It is named after the area code of Qatar. If you want to dial a friend in Qatar, if you want to call me, it's 974. So that's why it was named after the area code. So we watched the first semifinal where uh, Tunisia beat Egypt. They surprised Egypt and they made it to the final. So we left the game. 45 minutes later, we were at the other venue where mm. Qatar, where the home country, played against Argelia and they lost. Uh, many people were sad because Qatar had a great Gold Cup, but they couldn't make it to the final in their home tournament. So Hercules, 45 minutes from one venue to another, and that's basically the same distance, the same time that you have to uh, travel from one venue to any other venue. So it's, it's pretty cool. You know, you're going to be able to watch multiple games in one day. There he is, Jose Del Valle. You can catch him right here on ESPN Plus, Jorge Ramos y su banda. Jose, thank you so much for the time. Great to have you with us, and we will do it again. I promise you won't have to fly 14 hours for the next invite, okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, I I'm planning a trip to Australia if you guys want to call me, okay? I'll be there for you guys. There we, we will be uh, tagging along on the next uh, Del Valle family vacation. Uh, thanks again to Jose uh, Del Valle joining us there from Doha in Qatar. Some World Cup qualifying news hurt Panama find and they'll play a game without fans after the uh, homophobic chant was heard in their stadium. FIFA coming down with that punishment. Yeah, yeah. And in Panama's uh, little presser, it had the words homophobic chant. So I'm glad that we're getting that out there for what it is. There you have it. Uh, the latest CONCACAF team to be playing with either an empty stadium or a partially empty stadium uh, due to this homophobic chant. All right, let's run it back. As I mentioned at the top of the show, Copa del Rey, a big day in the Copa del Rey today. Diego Linus playing for Real Betis, and he gets the game winner, Herc, in extra time in the 116th minute. Shame on you, those who said he could only score on six division teams. Shame on you, he did it now versus a third division team. A game winner, no less. And now, if I'm being realistic, honestly, Diego Linus has gone a long time without a league goal. About 1,152 days for my exact count. But that's another goal for him. And this is a player who's got a ton of quality, a lot of quality, but needs confidence. Three coaches in the last four years, going on to World Cup year in one of the biggest years of his life. Goals like this are going to give him confidence. Yeah, it's a quintessential Diego Linus goal. No putting it on that left foot. Uh, they beat Talavera 4-2 to advance. Yunus Musa, he scored one minute hurt into Valencia's 3-1 win against Arenteiro. Shame on you, those who said he only scored at... Wait, I'm sorry. No, it's because last time Diego Linus scored a goal a couple of the rate, so did Yunus Musa. He's back at it again, first minute back heel. That's uh, Yunus Musa's second Copa del Rey goal of the season. It comes very early in this one as Valencia, just like Real Betis, are moving on to the next round of the Copa del Rey. Okay, so that's what's going on in Spain today. What about uh, what happened in Germany a couple days ago? Joe Scally, Herc, with his second assist of the Bundesliga season for Mönchengladbach. Oh, that Joe Scally's so hot right now. Honestly, he can do no wrong. In a moment where Serginho Dest, I don't want to say is on the decline, because I don't believe he is, but his stock isn't as high, guess whose stock's going up? Joe Scally. Did this just become a bench Serginho Dest segment? I didn't, did not see that coming. No, come on. This escalated very quickly. No, uh, who said that? 
Gladbach, by the way, lost this game 3-2 against Eintracht Frankfurt. The uh, goal scored by Florian Newhouse off the assist from Joe Scally. Great news here, Herc. Richie Ledesma, 21-year-old Mexican-American dual national, returns to action for PSV after a long injury layoff uh, after tearing his ACL. Yeah, listen, it's not easy to tear your ACL. Mentally, it costs you more than physically. Great to see him back. This is a player with a huge upside, getting minutes for PSV on his return. You love to see it. Yeah, great stuff, great stuff. You never want to see a kid missing time, certainly not at that young age, and great to see him back on the field. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. MLS releasing their 2022 schedule. Also out, the odds for next year's MLS Cup. There you see the co-favorites, LAFC, New England Revolution, and Seattle Sounders. Let's start with those odds for LAFC, Herc, at plus 700. Would you bet on LAFC to win it all? <laughs> no. <laughs> I like even my money. Who's making, who, who's making these odds? I know people in Las Vegas. Where are they getting their info from? This is crazy to me. One, Bob is gone. Bob Bradley, the guy who made them a, a premier franchise in Major League Soccer, he's gone, okay? There is no coach in place, and yet they're still making roster moves. Tristan Blackman, he's gone. Trajuri Shouty, he's in. Uh, Edward Atuesta, the best player probably in the last two years, no longer. He's going to the Brazilian uh, Brasileiro Futebol, Futebol, if you will. Uh, so who's making these decisions? I mean, hmm. I don't know how anybody can categorize him as one of the favorites off of what? Based on who? Hey, Carlos Vela has been playing his best football lately, and that's why you want to put him at plus 700 with the Seattle Sounders and the England Revolution. That is just crazy to me. Yeah. To the point you mentioned about the coach, the athletic reporting that Renato Paiva is one of the names on the very short list. He's a Portuguese manager, spent a lot of time at Benfica working with their youth teams. Uh, he's won a title managing in Ecuador right now. He's with Independiente del Valle in Ecuador. So, yeah, I mean, we don't really even know who their coach is going to be, Herc. And really, remember that contract extension with Carlos Vela is only what? Till the summer? Till the we summer. We don't really even know if Carlos Vela is going to be there exactly. for MLS Cup. Uh, it seems, uh, it seems like a long shot Edward there. Atuesta. Edward mm -hmm. Atuesta is a huge loss. So uh, plus 700 there are the odds for LAFC. You don't like those, Herc. So why don't you find then from that board a good value? What, what do you like? Uh, from the MLS Cup odds for 2022. Wait, a good value? Safe bet is the Seattle Sounders at plus 700. Ah, oh, here we go again. Whoa, Sounders whoa, whoa. TV. What do you mean, Sounders TV? This is a... This is the premier dynasty in Major League Soccer. Since their existence, they've been no lower than fourth in the West. By my count, seven of those 13 years... They've been in the top three mm -hmm. of the West. And also, by the way, for the last six years, they've made the final. I'm banking on consistency, baby. That's smart money right there. Join me on the money train. But, okay. but if you want good value, if you, That's want, what I'm if you for. want just to throw a little dart, you know, I don't mind this little flyer. Philly Union at plus 1,600? Yes, please. Where do I fill in that bet? Jim Curtin's <laughs> one of the best coaches in Major League Soccer. The Philadelphia Union are a team that develops players. 
good players, direct pipeline to the academy, good little sprinkling of veteran presence, uh, all of a sudden a great goalkeeper, I shouldn't say all of a sudden, a great goalkeeper, and something tells me that ownership is going to invest finally in that final mm -hmm. third. They've been knocking on the door, knocking on that MLS Cup door the last two seasons. This could be the season, and a plus 1,600? Yeah, I wet my beef. Okay, so you're gonna get the, the differences in our personalities here. Herc's safe bet is plus 700. His flyer is plus 1600. My safe bet is plus 1600. I'm going with Atlanta United, Herc. I did think it was a, it was a very good value at plus 1600, right? You got Gonzalo Pineda, who's now gonna have a full preseason, a yeah. full year to have worked with this team. Mm -hmm. We know they're investing big bucks. Diago Almada, the $16 million man Ooh. that they're bringing up from Argentina. So I, I like Atlanta United, and maybe yeah. I don't see a clear dominant force in the East. I know New England's coming off a good year, um, but for them to be messed with. So I like plus 1600, but my flyer hurt. Take a look at these three teams that are all at plus 2500, because I think either of these three is a real nice value. Portland, Nashville, or Orlando, all plus 2500. Portland at plus 2500, are you kidding me? Yeah, Portland's a head scratcher, but they were like plus 2,000 last year when your boy picked them to get to, to win MLS Cup. They didn't win it, but they, they got to it. Uh, just a little humble brag there. Yeah. Uh, 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 your boy also picked, once the playoffs started in New York City FC, to make it to the final. They, they, yeah. they also made it there. Uh, neither here nor there. I'm sorry, what were we talking about? I, I, yeah. I, I lost my train of thought. Your revisionist history here <laughs> on Book It, and you only remembering... Uh, where you've won. I was just saying my favorite good value backs were, were Portland, Nashville, and Orlando. But let's get to the other uh, Major League Soccer news from the last 24 hours or so, and that is that it is finally now official. Sebastian Legette is on his way to the New England Revolution from the LA Galaxy. He is heading east for up to Herc, $1.3 million in general allocation money after the 29-year-old spent the last seven seasons in L.A. Herc, put on your uh, general manager hat here, will you? Would you rather have Sebastian Legette or $1.3 in GAM? It's on. Hat is on. And the general manager, Hercules Gomez, would take Sebastian Legette. I will take Sebastian Legette. Listen, GAM, TAM, all this funny monopoly money, it's very difficult to understand. GAM pretty much gives you the ability to buy down a player's salary. So if you mm -hmm. have a DP, you can buy down his salary so he's not a DP. Essentially, that means you have a free DP slot. Go get another DP so you can play with four DPs or five DPs. Whatever the case may be, it buys down salary so it's cap So you're space. saying then Sebastian Legette is equal to a DP? No, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying at all. It's very difficult, difficult to equate a player's worth on an actual market to GAM. Because in an actual market, he'd be worth millions of dollars, upwards between five to like, I don't know, $8 million for MLS Cup winner, national team player, player 29 years old, who still got very much a lot to offer. What I am telling you is, I'm gonna roll, I didn't even say the dice, I'm gonna go with Bruce Arena, who pretty, pretty much wrote the book on mm -hmm. this. If Bruce Arena thinks this is great money or great value for this player, I think it's great value because this guy wrote the book when it comes to making the MLS rules or players who can work within those rules. So if he thinks 1.3 uh, million in GAM, which is pretty much monopoly money, is good for him to get a quality player, I think it's good enough. It is 1.3 million is a lot, right? It's a lot. Is Sebastian Legette the missing piece for New England? Because remember, when they were heading into the playoffs, even after after the historic season, after all that, we still had our doubts. We still had our doubts, and there were a variety of reasons scheduling was some of it, but we weren't convinced of the New England Revolution. If they add Sebastian Legette then, Herc, to you, are they your MLS Cup favorites? 
Because that's, that's, that's what you want for $1.3 million in GAM. That's what you want for $1.3 million in GAM? Yeah. Listen, every year it goes up. Every year the money that you can play with goes up. Every year the, the cap space will go up. Every year the, the slots will go up. So this means nothing right now. What you're getting is a quality player. Focus on that. A MLS Cup winning player, multi-MLS Cups, a national team player. And I think when it comes to crunch time, what they were missing, a little bit of that creativity, a little mm -hmm. bit somebody between those lines, somebody with leadership. I think Sebastian Legette can offer that. We saw very little of that in that game versus New York City FC. Sebastian Legette then moving from the Western Conference to the Eastern Conference. Herc, speaking of the Eastern Conference, FC Cincinnati has a new coach, longtime Philly assistant Pat Noonan, who is reunited with general manager Chris Albright, who also made the move from Philadelphia to Cincinnati. Noonan was with the New Union the last four years. He worked with Bruce Arena on the national team and with the LA Galaxy in the years before that. When we played here back in October, in October I was amazed by what, the, uh, what a passionate fan base this city has and what a world-class facility we have here at TQL Stadium. And watching the U.S. beat Mexico last month, it solidified the idea that we can make this the most difficult place to play in Major League Soccer. TQL Stadium, Herc, the most difficult place to play. Pat Noonan there uh, with some shots fired, putting the rest of MLS on notice. What do you make of the new coach's comments? It is the most difficult place to play for Cincinnati. <laughs> it has been the last three seasons, five wins. This is a new head coach with no head coaching experience, brought mm -hmm. by a new general manager, with no general manager experience by himself. He's never been the man, okay? Now stating because he saw a U.S. men's national team versus Mexico game in that stadium that it could become a home fortress, it doesn't equate. It doesn't mean they can't be good, but wow, I mean, way to, I guess, put everybody in Major League Soccer on notice, I guess. Has he put himself under more pressure here with comments like that? Absolutely. I mean, you talk, you better deliver and saying that you're going to make that the most difficult place to play in Major League Soccer. If I'm a home team that's very good, Kansas City, Atlanta, Seattle, up Portland, I'm thinking to myself, wait, what? Hmm. What? Well, it can only get better, Herc. They've gone from 24th to 26th to 27th. So good luck then to, uh, to Pat Noonan in his yeah. first year in charge with FC Cincinnati. All right, time for parting shots here on this Thursday, December 16th edition of Football Americas. Herc, the Liga MX Femenil final is set. Tigres against Rayadas. Tigres beating America. Rayadas beating Atlas in the semifinals. Let's do a quick edition of Book It, shall we? I can't even believe I'm gonna ask this question. Herc, who you got? What do you mean, who do I got? Serious question, did you see the game between America, the series between America, that comeback versus America, and now they're gonna go, Tigres is gonna go against their hated rivals, mm -hmm. Rayadas. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm going with the uh, equipo de Tigres Femenil right here. This is an easy one. They've literally, literally been to seven finals, have mm. won four, looking for number five. In another Clásico Regio final, I'm gonna go with Tigres. I have to go with Tigres. It's just uh, easy money. All right, well, before this turns into Tigres TV, I'm gonna pick 
Rayadas. Yeah. Uh, now, just to be different a little bit here, but also, Herc, I, I think it's worth pointing out, we're going to see some incredible crowds at these games uh, when these yes. two teams play. Yes, absolutely. I don't know what it will be like uh, at Rayadas Stadium, but I have confirmed already. It's online. It's 90% sold out capacity uh, for Tigres' return leg where they would close out the championship series in El Estadio Volcán. So what does the Volcan hold? Like 40,000? Because Estadio BBVA, no, 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 that holds no. like 50? What does no, Volcan no. hold? Volcan holds a little bit more. Than yeah, yeah, it's about 45. And I think, I think uh, BBVA is about 57, 58. There you so have it. So it's going to be, be massive yeah. crowds. Should be a great final. Liga Mekis Femenil, Tigres and Rayadas. All right, that does it for this edition of Football Americas. We will be back on Monday with a special taped edition of the show, Herc the top 10 players in CONCACAF. This, of course, after ESPN FC put only two CONCACAF players in their top 100. We are having none of it. This is our last live show of 2021. We will be back live on January 3rd, 2022. We look forward to it.